Hello and welcome back to the Double Radio Games Cast. It's the Travel Edition. As always, I'm your host Ryan, and I'm joined today by my lovely duo of co-hosts, Brett. Hello. And Alex. You're out of reach, but I can still get you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode number ninety-three. We're continuing our character discussion from last week. Uh, this time, instead of talking about character creators, we're going to be talking about actual protagonists in games and created protagonists versus existing protagonists. Your your games that have like think Geralt is a is an existing protagonist, right? You can't create Geralt, but then you got games like Skyrim where you make your own character. We're going to talk about those. Sound good? Everyone yeah. on the same page? Great. <laughs> Delicious. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> Alright, as a heads up for the next two weeks or so, the podcast is going to be slightly different because I am traveling and having to do a travel setup. So uh, episodes will be slightly shorter, not much shorter, but just a little bit to make sure that we have time to get everything in and account for time zones. Uh, And audio might get a little weird sometimes. Deal with it. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) I only have one monitor now, so I can't have everything open at once. (laughs) You've, You've listened to worse. We know you have. We certainly have. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Well, I so, didn't want to admit it. It's fine. Hey, this week we have news. It's for the first time in a while the games industry is starting up again after oh, the holidays. No. Uh, I don't know. I think Wyatt was the only one aside from me who actually is excited for Dying Light 2. <laughs> right? Am, am I That's correct in saying that? Parkour zombie game, right? Parkour zombies, yeah. I, I was interested in the first one, and I'm still interested in the first one. Probably interested in the second. Most likely not going to get them, though. <laughs> Understood. And I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's a good franchise to have that problem with, because they feel like that. Games that are very... I, I remember them fondly once every two years, and then play them for an hour, and then just kind of stop. So, speaking of hourage in Dying Light... Apparently, the developers have claimed that Dying Light is going to take 500 hours to complete. Why would you say something like that? Now, news uh, journalists, uh, Alana Pierce specifically, has have confirmed that as of like two or three weeks ago, when they last talked to Techland about the game, uh, the official statement for the campaign link was 20 to 30 hours. Yeah. So I want to know where this. That's a campaign length. I mean, that's a fine campaign length, right? That's pretty similar to Dying Light 1. Uh, I'm just wondering, what's the disconnect here, and why does this happen so often? Every time we get like a new game release of a franchise that is even remotely related to RPGs, we get the discussion of, okay, does it have 500 hours of playtime? And it really, I think most of the time, does not does not need 500 hours of play time i think usually even if it's like even if it's like what i've said before where it's like if the gameplay loop is great i don't even care i could just keep doing it over and over again i not care 500 hours like why would you want like don't advertise that you could play any game for 500 hours if you really wanted to but like even like yeah. the really good ones like that are already really long like like other rpgs if we're if we're staying on rpg specifically like xenogears or something that are like over a hundred I don't know if I'd want to play that for 500 hours. (laughs) I don't think I I, I would, generally. I I, I think, like, I have maybe five games that I spent that much time on. League of Legends, because I was a love that game in middle school, but 
Like, that's a multiplayer game, right? So you have yeah, all the yeah. infinite replayability. Probably across all the Halo games, I've gotten to that at some point. The only recent game that I've continued playing after that much is Final Fantasy XIV, which is an MMO. It's an MMO. Yeah. So, like, yeah. at that point... <laughs> I don't know. I think it, there's this weird obsession with hour counts in games. And, like, I get the idea that you want value for your money, right? I mean, past the campaign being the 20 to 30 hour mark, that's, that's money's worth. But I can only think of like everything I've played that has tried to, to stuff that hour counter with extra things has always been worse off for it. It's, what yeah, it's what comes to mind with, with me, at least the most recent game that I ran into this with, was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, with Assassin's Creed just, especially. Yeah, it's... There's so much unnecessary and repetitive things in there. Just you wait for Valhalla. Oh god, the 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 map is just spread so far apart. That's uh, travel time is really what brings the hour count up, even even with fast travel type things. But um, yeah, I generally think that like pumping these hour counts just leads to a worse game. Uh, it's not not very fun, you know. Let people try different games. Unless you're you're really strapped for cash, at which point I don't think you're going to be wanting to play Dying Light Two as your one game. That no. I mean, the 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 five hundred hour I guess is warning sign. Also, you know, signals in my head. Oh, this and th- this has happened more as I've gotten older. Oh God, I'm aging before my very eyes. <laughs> um, I'm turning into dust. Uh, your um, nice quarter life it, crisis. <laughs> I'm. I'm not r- willing to give a video game that kind of time commitment unless yeah. uh, unless something. I, I don't know. I don't know what the something is. I don't know the exception. It's got to be something that, that is engaging the entire time, which is just super yeah. rare. I, I think in the most case, that means you're going to be playing the game for years to come. And like You'll probably drop it, play it in like 30 to 40 hour chunks, yeah. and then stop. I don't Those know are how long you're playing The Witcher 3 for. Speaking of the the Witcher three, that's like a isn't that a like an actual problem that CEPR has said like that's our our biggest problem with the Witcher three is that only like a very small amount of players actually finished it. Yeah, really? I like, I do think started. there's a lot of things that lead to that happening to where Witcher three has like two false finishes, mm. where you think the game is about to end and they're like oh nope we're we're going on another thing. Which is great if you're into the game, but it did mean that like there is a lot of build up to that first false finish, and I'm talking like 20 hours mm-hmm. of build up to this first false finish, which is really good if you keep going. But if you hit that point, you might just quit, yeah. <laughs> right? Because you might just be like, "Oh, I don't like this." And it's also the fact that the game has a lot of choices that carry over, and so you hit that problem of if you made a bad choice two hours yeah. in, hours ago. You're gonna to have to pay for it like 50 hours later, and at that point, you're just gonna be like, "Well, if it, if this is gonna ruin my ending, I don't want to do it." Right? Yeah. I said I finished Witcher Three. Very good. I haven't finished the DLC yet, <laughs> probably because of that problem. Just not gravitating back towards it. All right. Hearts of Stone doesn't have it. Blood and Blood and Wine might. Yeah. Moving back to recent news, uh, Elden Ring. I know we love some Elden Ring talk. We've seen the character creator. It looks good. Uh, it has also overtaken Dying Light 2 <laughs> to become the most wishlisted game on Steam. Yep. That's just a neat little bit of info. Everyone wants that Elden Ring. <laughs> it, 
it's gonna be bonkers, man. I, I'm I'm not ready. Oh, that time, I'm so ready. Elden Ring might be one of the only games I, I foresee us doing more than one games cast on a game that doesn't yeah. get updates. <laughs> yeah, legitimately. Uh, all right, moving on. Hey, awesome da- games done quick just started today. Oh. You can go watch speedruns and earn money for to prevent cancer. You should do I'm that. Preventing cancer. Hey, AGDQ, very fun. Every year they, they speedrun great games. Uh, Legend of Zelda speedrun, speedruns are always very fun to watch. It's just a, a very different type of entertainment that I think a lot of people haven't tried but will likely get a good amount of enjoyment from if they give it a shot. So definitely recommending that. It should be going, I think, for about a week. Uh, report back if it keeps going after that because sometimes it gets spread out and the schedule changes. Mm-hmm. All right. With that, I know you guys had... A little piece of news that you want to talk about. Unfortunately, a juicy let's, let's tidbit. Make this quick. Let's make this quick. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll breeze over it real fast. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the the thing that kind of made the whole uh, genre of Metroidvania, uh, Castlevania, is having its thirty fifth, I believe, anniversary. And Konami, being Konami, chose that the best way to celebrate it was through uh, NFT versions of the games. Uh, I believe their whole like game downloads contained in the NFT, so like Symphony of the Night and stuff, uh, just are yeah. NFTs now. Um, it, it's whole games, uh, little video snippets uh, of character animations and things like that, like you you beating a boss. Um, and then there's also just they're they're selling the sprites, aka things that. Technically, if you know what you're doing, uh, you can just get for free. Um, you ever ripped a sprite? You also before? don't. It's it doesn't fun. matter. It, they're NFT. They yeah, do nothing. Really There's also um, it's just a waste really of energy. Awesome, something really awesome yeah. that people have been doing is uh, is the the funny meme where uh, where Satan says, uh, "I will buy the Castlevania uh, NFT," <laughs> and then uh, Jesus's uh, speech bubble is just a QR code. That you can scan that just downloads Symphony of the Night for you. Uh, so you know, obviously, make sure you uh, you be careful with which random <laughs> QR codes you take pictures of from the internet. But, yeah, sometimes uh, they're zip bombs. I tried it and it worked. <laughs> so, hey, hey, you Brad, know, mind mind sending me that link. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to talk about that on a, a podcast about video games because that's bad. Uh, all yeah, right. so I can warn people not to not yeah, to take you can pictures. Share it to people so they don't use, <laughs> so they know to avoid that picture. All right. Yes. So that sucks. I feel like Konami is just not gonna be able to dig themselves out of this hole. They've you, created. You only get no. 30th anniversary. It's gone now. They you did ruined nothing. it. As they have done for pretty much every anniversary in the past, aside from Pachinko machines. I so. wish they did nothing. But they just... They just had to. So, we, we play a game on the show. Every episode. This time, I got a simple game for you. What is the current best rumored game? I'm, I'm asking you what game that is currently rumored Oof. is the best game. This, is, this has a correct answer. Rumored as in, don't know if it's in development. We we have not heard a confirmation that it's developed, but it is rumored to be in development. Hmm. If you can think things like GTA 6 fits under that, uh, 
the inevitable. I think Bully Two did just get deconfirmed, actually. Yeah. But yeah, lots of games. You can also stretch your mind to think, oh, games that um, are. I would count Elder Scrolls Six, even though it's technically been announced because we've no, seen no gameplay. That was going to be my question. Yeah, I, I would count anything we haven't seen any gameplay for in this. I'm going to give Ryan the true correct answer. Brett, you better be right. Um, and I'm going to say uh, the pretty much confirmed upcoming uh, Armored Core game uh, from FromSoftware. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Alex. Brett just got the question correct. And that... oh. I'm so smart. <laughs> Look, I, I've just been seven-brained over we're, here. We're the mech boys. We need our mech games. <laughs> <laughs> from software's armored core i do there has been a bit of sleuthing into that rumor uh, that's yes. been circulating around that maybe not super credible but at the same time it's people that these people sleuthing and don't know anything about what they're talking about uh yeah. the person who revealed it also doesn't know anything that, that they're talking about very clearly so <laughs> it's, it's fine it's the sort of thing where i'm like okay well I hope even if this isn't real, it maybe gets from software to, to know that there's still demand for Armored Core. Yes, please, God. I'm just hoping we hit maybe a mech resurgence comes in. We get 10 more mech games all at once. That'd be great. And once then, like, no more for the next, like, 20 years, probably. <laughs> once, once Japan builds their life-size Gundam, it'll be uphill from there. Oh, they, they already, they've they already did that. that, like, like four twice. times. <laughs> well, they need to make another one. Come on. They already they did have. They just finished one. <laughs> Make another one! <laughs> Make one that can walk. Make for Tokyo 2. Walk unassisted, I should say, because they did yeah, make one that can big. walk. <laughs> yeah, but it has a big action base, so... Yep, yep, alright. insane, man. So we've talked about our, our Gundams that we want to play with, but now we're going to talk about characters. Alright, so the first thing I want to talk about is benefits of having a created character versus having a uh, pros and cons of, of having a created character versus having a existing character, right? So what do you get when you, you make the decision in your boardroom, okay, we're not going to have uh, we're going to have a character creator or we're not going to have a character creator. What is the, the benefit and the drawback of that? So I'm going to bring up first a, a weird game, okay? Because I've been, I've been in the Dynasty Warriors sphere right now. Been on a plane ride, play some Dynasty Warriors on the plane on my Switch, you know? So I'm thinking about Dynasty Warriors. And I think Dynasty Warriors is one of those types of games where you have the benefit with multiple protagonists and having like five different storylines going on at any one time that you can see from different perspectives where like if you made a character and put it into this, this combat scenario as just like the bi person just watching everything happen with nothing happening to them, the game would be dramatically worse because they did that. That was a Dynasty Warriors game at one point. So what can can you explain that again? I'm not sure I understood what you're just watching the action. No, so so like it has that problem where you have a created character, but because you create your character right, you create oh. your backstory, you can't have any any reference in the game to that character aside from go, they, someone yeah. going like you, right? They they can't be canonical. Yeah, like they they, they cannot be the driving the force of the story. Yeah. Whereas, like, when I'm playing Cao Cao in Dynasty Warriors, I'm going, like, oh, man, this, it's such a tragedy because I know this man dies, right? He, he's a historical figure. He, he does not succeed at what he's doing, but I'm invested, right? Because I'm playing him. I'm seeing his, his, his group fighting around trying to, to fight this battle they can't win, and it's very fun. Uh, and having to not be able to do that 
with like a created character. I think they've they've tried it before. It works in in games that have like random gen stories, but in like an actual story based game, I think I think it does have drawbacks, especially if you don't think it through super well. That that's where with, with the random gen you're talking about story wise. I I guess that's where the 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 Fallout series kind of I don't I don't want to say does it better does it differently because the character is known as you know like the the courier you have like the a title survivor, the yeah um so I, I'd say marginally better but still I I, I definitely get what, you're, get what you're saying with that there's there there's not I guess as much um emotional connection or as much of an emotional commitment i think somehow even though you're the, you're the one it's because you, you kind of pigeonhole yourself into creating a blank slate oh, right you, you have to create the character as a, as a tabula rasa or else you can't do anything or the player can't insert themselves as that character you can kind of go for the middle ground like uh cyberpunk with v where you have like a character creator but you are still a character with like a yeah. canonical story that happens, but then you hit the point of like, okay, well, even if I spend all this time in the character creator, it's mostly about aesthetics, right? I'm still playing as V, which is fine. It's just a different experience, right? I'm curious, yeah. Brett. You've played a lot of JRPGs. I have. Especially recently, and a lot of older this. ones, uh, which I think plays interestingly into this, because... I, I don't know if... You said you didn't play a lot of JRPGs growing up, right? So no, I played literally none. There was the period of time in like the early 2000s when I was a bright-eyed child with my GameCube playing various games and hitting the point of realizing I would get frustrated if a game didn't have an autofilled name for your character, right? Mm. When you're playing a Tales game or something or Legend of Zelda, right? And you, you know your character's name, Link. It, I get happy with that because I'm like, okay, I can insert myself into the role of this character, but I'm yeah, still, yeah. I'm role playing, right? I'm not playing myself in the game. I'm playing a character in the universe. I'm curious what your thoughts on that are. I think for pretty much like 99% of the time, like the, the golden amount of, uh, character customization and like and we're we're like when i when i say like jrpg like party based like uh i don't know like three to like six people out at a time and maybe like not like every single like uh, armor or weapon customization shows up on your character it's in like the main like some like simpler more like strategic kind of thing because i know when you get into like like again we talked about it last time like dark souls still kind of counts that's that's a different beast than what we're referring yeah. to i think mm. um, because it's not a narrative focused game right as much as souls has a, a deep yeah. narrative or a it's, deep like yeah. background narrative happening it does kind of have that thing where like, you are not the key player until the end right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um whereas in something like uh like Final Fantasy Nine or something, where you're, you're the characters when they get added to your party, they even have like little splash screens of like uh, like FMV uh, renders of their character, and then they have like a nice little like their normal name and this wonderful cursive text, and then like right below it is just like pixelated PS One font. The pick change the character name, I guess, if you want to. Like that's that's fine. 
You can name you can name like like you can name Zidane something stupid and just be have to deal with that for the whole game because you name him something <laughs> dumb. Uh, and it's like like a really touching like forty hour experience that you may have just butchered for yourself because you named him like butt or something. That's uh, what uh, always when people do the Pokemon goof names. They name their name yeah. the character like the start of a sentence. Yes, yes, like that sort of thing. It's it's just fun, and I think that uh, it, it doesn't get away. It doesn't take away from you role playing as that character or that character having their own story. Um, or that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I, I've kind of never really had a, a problem with it um, in, in, in this regard of like whether or not it makes them a more successful character or not, whether you get to customize them. I, I mean, from my limited JRPG experience, I've pretty much only played the... Yeah, Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, I think, are the only ones I've played. I mean, that's a good selection. Those um, are two great games. Um, but it's... It's even even with a quote unquote set main character look. I mean, you can change the name, probably like Brett said. Um, but it's from my experience, almost exclusively more about the the party as a as a whole than it is yeah. uh, just just your character. Especially in uh, in Chrono Trigger's case, because Chrono doesn't say anything. Yeah. You got a you got a silent protagonist in a JRPG. Yeah, which that that definitely emphasizes more the the party than usual. I would think which the group JRPGs. as an entity and not really yeah. just a single character. Did we do a silent protagonist episode? L- look, that's one of those episodes we we have to <laughs> be careful with. Yeah, uh, because for those why it couldn't make it tonight, but he vehemently hates. Silent protagonists, including Gordon Freeman. But it's it's okay because I have notes um on that, so I can I can say the opposite of what he thinks later when we get more yeah, yeah. fitting. Oh, that's that. wonderful. I've completely <laughs> forgotten about the Half Life games. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I do think we're, what I'm kind of getting at with this is when you're you're playing a game that is narrative focused. There's this kind of feeling if you're playing a created character that you that you've made in a character creator in a game that like doesn't have a canonical name for you or something, you have this feeling of like I think most of the games end up being about the events that happen rather than your character as like a person. Right? There's I I don't think I would ever play a like Elder Scrolls game and see character growth that I do not create for myself, right? Yeah, the the character growth in in that case is you leveling up. It's just the the physical. Leveling. Yeah, it's abstracted into mechanics and not actually part of the narrative, which I think is is fine. Uh, but I I do think it means that that's a choice you have to make when you're creating the game of if you're going to have this kind of growth based narrative, you can't really expect it to work super well if your players are able to create like a diverse array of characters for it and not have it be affected properly it's like because if i created right a a male character in their like 50s the the dialogue for that character needs to be different than the dialogue for like a female character in her like 20s or something right hello fellow kids it's the kind of thing where it feels super weird because one of the i tend to gravitate to like three archetypes when i have a created character right 
I go for you got the gruff old man, right? Your classic too old for this Joel type character. Love that, you know, the great great character archetype. Then you got your like classic strong uh strong young person of of some type where you you got the plucky go at it attitude, right? You're you're not a, a bash to adventure. But those characters have to interact differently for that that kind of background to exist. Yeah. Which can't really happen in a lot of games. It, it, not that like it's impossible to do, but I think budgetary concerns start to rise at that point of, oh, we don't have the money to do <laughs> this Just much like dialogue. In general. Which I, I think is odd, because if you look back at like early 2000s, late 90s, you see a lot of CRPGs that did kind of get away with that. Mm-hmm. But that was generally at the cost of like, those games were super expensive to make, and most of them didn't get sequels. Uh, most of them don't look very good. <laughs> so, I think, yeah, yeah it's like a trade-off. It. Yeah. All right. So, with you two, how do you lean on that skill? Do you, do you tend to prefer creating a character or having, like, when you, when you gravitate to a narrative, do you prefer having a character that you build yourself and get to kind of make up your own backstory for, or do you like going with an existing character? What's your, your gut go with? I think as, as, yeah, what usually is the case, I think I more gravitate towards games that have uh, decided characters that just let me like through gameplay and stuff like role play as them, instead of like trying to get through the world as like i would or something and then like scrounging together like all these weird like dials and meters and stuff to try to make so it is like it's almost work right (laughs) it's yeah it can be fun but you don't want to do it all the time because creating a character is a process it's it's why like I, I have full full respect for for uh, you and Wyatt like taking like hours and hours to make your characters because that's that's totally me. Like when I want to make like a cool character, I will absolutely put that amount of time into it. I've absolutely uh, just like sat in like the Halo menus or something, just like think, oh well, I feel like making my armor look like this today, and I have like five games that have armor customization on this, so I got to do all yeah. of them and make sure that they look similar enough. Uh, but like most of the time. That that was definitely more me uh, when I was a kid. I think now mo- most of the time it's just like I'm perfectly fine. I want to get to the game, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, I want to get to the game. I want to absorb the story, and I don't. I think what's become more important to me now is that, especially the the, the games that I'm playing more now, is that I don't want to end up tainting the experience for myself. Like I don't want to name cloud like a bad word or something that's going to keep repeating and like ruin like serious parts of final fantasy 7 for me but like oh i got, I, got to, I see the funny word and now that like it, it's just funny the word is there and tifa called him something stupid haha it's like no if anything what i've actually started doing is uh when i play uh games that let you rename character and it has like that default name choice so i'll usually i'll name it to something that like is a pun on it or like rhymes or is like this just similar enough because what i what i realized is that uh i I played final fantasy 5 uh which has actual characters in it um and uh i named them all stupid things 
and I do not remember any of the characters' actual names because when I played that very long game, you I named them all those names into yourself. Exactly, exactly. The first time playing through a game, like that's what you remember the the characters being called. So if, I, I don't know. I can... I, oh, sorry. No, you can you continue. No, I, I was I was about done. Go. If if I ever. You can rename Cloud in the original Final Fantasy VII, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to name him Precipitation when I play. <laughs> if you can even fit it, which is another oh, thing. You may not be able is. to. Yeah, yeah, I think you have like seven characters or something. I, I always... Hey, when I The first and only time I have tried a Nuzlocke, I wanted to name my starter character Schmuggledy Wumple. Um, nope. Wouldn't nope. fit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from, and it does remind me of Brett. You've played Star Ocean: The Second Story, right? Yes. So I have have lucked into finding a way to play that game, uh, and so I started the very start of it just to make sure I was getting things working right. And you you get to choose Claude's character name right at the very start, yes. and if you don't do anything, his his name is voice acted. If you just leave him as oh, Claude, really? his name's voice acted in the game. So I'm like, oh, yeah, why? Because it's the PSP port. Yeah. Why do you even get that option? <laughs> it's exactly to just make the game worse. And especially when you consider the fact that the guy who voices him in the PSP port is Shinji Ikari from Evangelion. Yeah, the, so the why voice would I acting in, there, his in, lines? in the PSP port of Star Ocean Two is amazing. It's yeah, top quality. Great time, uh, yeah. But I, I had that reaction where, I, like, I went to play this game just to check that my my stuff was set up correctly, right? And then I ended up playing, ended up playing it for like an hour because it was a very fun <laughs> opening. Yeah, the opening of the game is pretty interesting, which I, I think shows a, a lot for that game. Uh, the, the combat system is completely incomprehensible without. Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, they never help you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's interesting seeing that kind of thing happen in games where it's the same thing that happened in Forza when I was playing Forza and they, they suddenly start just saying your name because yeah, it's yeah. a link to your Xbox account and it instantly oh. had the opposite effect of what they wanted. It just took me out of everything. Yeah. It, I was, it was like, wait a minute, what is happening? <laughs> That 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 second when Doki Doki Literature Club starts reading your files. No, then I inst- I instantly went in and changed the name. It registered for me because I didn't want, I did not <laughs> want that. Yeah, I was getting too close to reality there. Uh, yeah, so, I think it's interesting that that this is a choice that has to be made. Um, and I think there is like a way to do a, a middle ground because I don't think either of you have played Wasteland any of the Wasteland games, right? I have never heard of them. So Wasteland originally is like one of the, it's the OG Fallout, I think either the inspiration, one of them inspired the other, I think Wasteland inspired Fallout, and then just Wasteland went dark for 20 years, uh, did not make a game, then the second game got remastered, and then the third game came out, and it's like Game Pass, really good Game Pass game, uh, that has, you create like a squad of characters a la XCOM, because the combat is like XCOM style, grid based, uh, and you create your entire squad and you get to kind of build these party dynamics into your squad, which is really fun of like, okay, you can kind of build out a, a mini personality through character perks and whatnot. Because so much of that game revolves around like having your characters talk to other people and then you get to have this like a similar experience to the JRPG style of like your group as an entity to where you go around the world and make so many minor decisions that kind of cascade to your final decisions and whatnot that... Mm-hmm. 
give you it feels like you don't have any backstory going in but by the end of the game you have so much like weight behind every decision you're making that is a kind of thing that you kind of only get with a, a created character so with games like jrpgs i feel like with their the one thing that i think that that's really good that with the long run times that those that jrpgs usually tend to is you can go in as a character with a blank slate and you've developed your backstory you've developed a backstory for the character in the first half and then it's okay now it's on for the the actual adventure in the second yeah that's definitely kind of where the persona games tend to fall is encouraging you to kind of build that character out to be something rather than a blank slate by the end um yeah. persona 5 especially is really good at that so just don't make them a teacher seducer hey you know if that floats your boat sure <laughs> i'm not gonna i'm not gonna judge you but i'm secretly judging you <laughs> i am i'm gonna judge you I will judge you just not to your face. So yeah, I, I think there is certainly space for the, that kind of narrative, but it still has the thing of like, you don't have a character creator in those games for the most part. Um, in Persona's case, I kind of get that because I think it's the art style that mostly stops it to where you can't really. I, I imagine making a character that looks good in that art style takes a lot of effort. It is not a thing of like, oh, you can use a character creator and get something that comes out looking well, ideal you- for a hundred plus hour game. <laughs> You, you, you were talking about, you know, build, building out your character through decisions. I'm going to get a little philosophical on you here. What if the character creator are dialogue choice, choices you make? That's my favorite type mm-hmm. of character creator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, ooh, I'm in. System shock friggin' too, man. That whole first little bit where you get to, like, choose what your... Uh... Not like any of your actual cosmetics because the game is like primordial as far as video <laughs> games go. But like you going through like military school and choosing the classes that you will take, influencing your stats is just so like. Yeah, Deus Ex did the same thing. It, they did. It's great. It's so sick. Uh, every time I see that in a game, especially in a game that has like a, a pseudo existing character, you have like Adam Jensen and Deus Ex is your character, at least in the new ones. But you go through and kind of pick early on whether or not you stick to lethal or non-lethal and everything. And you have, like, dialogue that differs based on those choices. So I think that's that's my, like, happy middle ground for the games I tend to go to gravitate towards is that kind of character development where it's, all right, you're presented with this kind of character that can go in a couple of different paths. Because I think then you generally have good writing throughout the entire game, yeah. right? Because the limitations breed some sensible amount of... <laughs> effort going into every path yeah whereas i, I think Which with like course. elder scrolls you hit the uh the opposite end <laughs> sometimes yeah of course those games being you know re- requiring so much are usually a lot harder to make oh I yeah think as a result like uh because of co- what, what we're talking about basically is like character building through emergent gameplay which is very rare to see where you can actually like influence like the level and like solve it in different ways through like being creative and not just doing what they want you to do for example mm-hmm. um but like I, it, it's so rare and so difficult to do that pretty much if your game has it it's just like it's just kind of confirmed to it's on another level right <laughs> well, there, yeah. there's, there's another thing i think i'm not entirely sure what other i'm sure at least one other game or game series has done this um but with what we were talking about with the 
uh, dialogue choices being the character creator. Also, you know, your actions changing the game, changing and shaping the game world, the game world essentially being the the, the character that you're creating. Yeah. Um, in Dishonored, I, I've noticed that with their um, a, a, yeah. a little strange at times, but their their chaos system. Um, how you know if you go the lethal route. Uh, the levels become a lot harder. There's more enemies for you to kill. So you're going to have fun going the lethal route um, because more blood. It's definitely um, designed. The lethal route kind of like gameplay wise encourages you to stick to lethality if you start doing it. Yeah. Narrative wise, there are consequences, which I, I think is an oh. interesting. Oh, yeah. I've, I, tried to do, I tried to do like a non lethal route in Dishonored 2. I have never finished the game because of glitches, unfortunately. Um, and I, I, I accidentally killed like one or two people in the first level. Um, two thirds of the way through the game, uh, your your dead wife or mother shames you um, to to an extreme amount if you have even accidentally killed one person. Yeah, it's just the, that's you always know, you either there, there's no there's absolutely no leeway. When it comes I to do. That. I liked Dishonored One system because Dishonored One had more give to it, to where you could be like, if you just did, if you only killed the targets, you were still mostly in the green, right? Because mm-hmm. in Dishonored One, a lot of the non-lethal options are objectively a lot worse <laughs> than the lethal oh, ones. They are heinous. There are fates worse than death all <laughs> would, around every corner. I feel so much worse taking those options than just getting the target done with, right? Um, but it's very interesting. I, I think in Dishonored One it works out a lot better because that game is a lot more focused on stealth. Then I think the second game started to go crazy with combat options and whatnot, which led to the problem of, okay, now by doing in this like binary system, you have the issue of basically pushing your players towards one route because like yeah. The classic saying, players are going to optimize the fun out of your game, 100% true. It's going to happen. Yeah. Even if they would have more fun doing something different, you cannot rely on the player to know that. So, like, when I play Dishonored, because I know it's going to affect the game, I always play non-lethal. I can't bring myself to play lethally. Yeah, which means it's... I have less fun. <laughs> There's a trade-off with doing I, it. Given, given the option of stealth in yeah, I mean, given the option, at least for me, given given the option of stealth in any game, I will absolutely take that option. Even if there isn't an option, I'm going to try to make it and fail miserably. Um, but I'm not a patient person, and I'm not too good at stealth, so I screw up often. Nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it just has, it's that weird system where you need to find a way to toe the line that is not frustrating. And I t- generally think the way to do that is mostly just by having, like, dialogue change but don't actually make certain events locked to a specific path unless it's a very short game because if it's a short game and i can replay it a lot like dishonored one i think is is more good for that because it is much shorter than two uh you can replay it pretty quickly if you know what you're doing i think there's a lot of benefit to the two paths but the second game it's like there's two characters two paths and each path of the game is like 15 to 30 hours long depending on how thorough you are so it's, it gets exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a trade-off. Uh, and I, I do think the interesting thing with this is that you kind of, 
in those games you generally can't like create your own character because you have to rely on the the story of one singular person with like existing motivation and whatnot so yeah one of the benefits of, of not doing character creation in that regard is you can kind of do that kind of story i think the only game i've seen do it and also have character creation is dragon's dogma <laughs> This Dragon's Dogma has like a pretty in-depth, like not randomly generated, but weird procedural generation bits of the story happen where important characters are decided based on who you interact with and what you do with them. Ooh, that's interesting. It's really cool. In practice, it needs needs some work because almost everyone on their first time playing the game, if they don't know about the system, is going to end up marrying the merchant dude. Because <laughs> cool. you just interact with him the most, right? <laughs> so if you don't do someone's that's all it takes. yeah, that's all it takes for him. So it's one of those things where you need to kind of okay. like tune that a little bit to be like, okay, maybe don't have the shopkeeper weigh so highly on this list. But it is really cool if you do like a couple of side quests for some characters, you can get them locked into that position to where you'll have like a bit where the final boss. Uh, it's not really the spoiler because it's this game is. 10 years old at this point and not about the story uh the final boss will like capture one of the people close to you and you have to like make some decisions of whether or not you're going to actually rescue them or sacrifice them cool it's a pretty cool it's a weird system in a game that's not very narrative heavy but it works very well to give you some actual backstory can you choose to not be close to a person and it and the boss won't be able to capture someone that I don't know. I I doubt it. I think the I think that's the scenario where the game is going to choose the merchant for you. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, just let him go. <laughs> He's not that good of a person. Uh, no. So you can kind of do that. But there's also more. Uh oh. Oh dear. Oh no. Oh no, Ryan. <laughs> there's also. More to come in this upcoming episode. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh-oh. Keep talking. Yep. Oh, All right. on, on it, boss. Um, <laughs> oh, I had something planned, and now it, is, it has been disrupted. My, my train of thought is off the tracks. Like, like a crazy train. Um, <laughs> oh, what was it? This is really going to bother me now. <laughs> It's okay. We'll 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 figure it out. We'll figure it out. Don't don't worry about it. Um, I'm dishonored. I don't know. It's oh. it is it is legitimately very rare to see uh like that kind of it, it's it's a weird kind of character creation because it's both like yeah you're influencing the character with how you play but like you're also influencing the entire rest of the like just the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> which is really it, it goes beyond character creation i guess which i guess we're we're bending the topic a little bit but I don't, we, we've never cared about that before i'm pretty sure sometimes we've we've set the topic to be something and then we end up talking about something else and then ryan makes like a different title look it's vastly more fun that way so oh, exactly. i can't count so i can describe to what what happened to people listening the way i'm having to record the audio this time is through a wireless mic uh oh. It's, a, it's like a little transmitter set that I have. One of the transmitters, which battery icon showed it was perfectly fine, just completely lost all its charge. <laughs> oh, luckily, good. I have a second one. So we're good to go now. Uh, good recovery, everyone. <laughs> um, oh, it was a test we passed. We, we, we talked about 
your two picks. Did we actually touch on what mine actual my preference was? Go for I it. Go for <laughs> it. Um, I, I'm glad I get to add a little bit more diversity in this because I mean, while I do love the the set protagonist bits, as you know, I'm the guy who will not shut up about the Uncharted series. Um, I mean, they're good uh, games. Well, so. yeah. <laughs> I the the majority of games I tend to gravitate towards are definitely the the it, it can be open world really but uh, it, it also doesn't have to be um but definitely on the side of character creation because i have an incredibly overactive imagination when it comes to that so i i, I love to do all if not most uh, most if not all of the role playing uh in in my head and creating coming up with uh, creating characters creating different archetypes for them I mean, that's uh, the like classical characters. fun of a role playing game, you know. Yeah, creating multiple characters at the same time. Um, I think I have three going in Skyrim right now. Of course. You know, I have a stealth archer, um, a stealth archer, and an arcane trickster. Hey, the the three archetypes, <laughs> two of which are always stealth archer. Um. I definitely yeah, I, get that perspective because it, it comes with a lot of gameplay benefits. You're no longer locked into a single story. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have that, that power to do emergent storytelling. Yeah. Um, two, yeah, two of those characters that I've done, I, um, I haven't even started the main quest. I've done literally everything else in the game <laughs> except for that. I'm just like, you know what? No, I'm not going to use shouts on this one. Uh, on this character, I have exploded it to the point where I am doing a shout-only run, which is fun. <laughs> nice. Um, I, yeah, it's uh, it, it's very helpful for an overactive imagination. It's a good outlet. Uh, I'd say the the character creation type games are. Yeah, I also think it it definitely has a different type of satisfaction where using that kind of character. And having that ability to create a character gives you a very unique experience that you just don't get mm-hmm. in games that do have you with it play an existing character. Yeah, and like it, it Cyberpunk it especially adds, doesn't even succeed at that. So it it adds another layer of replayability uh, yeah. because there are different paths that you can choose for a set character in a game, but then it, I there there are different archetypes for you know skill trees and things like that but you can just have your entire own headcanon uh for 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 games like skyrim and fallout and things like that yeah and i also think uh what you it, make it works very well in games like i, I don't know if any, either of you have played kenshi or mountain blade or anything like that but the games that just mountain don't blade, have yeah. it generally don't have a set storyline and just kind of encourage yeah. you to exist in yeah. the sandbox you don't really get that if you have a, a a character with like a canonical story, unless you you maybe go for having multiple characters, which I think is like the saga games do that. Octopath Traveler tries to do it. You have that. <laughs> <laughs> you you go for the multiple characters, so you can kind of have like a version of that, but each of them is supposedly like better written than a created character would be. Yeah. I think we're getting from this conversation, Alex, is you need to play Dragon's Dogma if you have <laughs> I guess so. It sounds like I do. It's definitely up your alley. Uh, it, yeah, I think you have a very different set of benefits. Sometimes I just want to sit down, create a character, and then go watch them 
burn the world down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, you, you just remember to quick save before you kill everyone in White Run. Uh, or don't. <laughs> or don't quick save and just deal with the consequences. <laughs> mm. It is it was recently that I first learned Skyrim. If you get your bounty too high, there is no way to get rid of it. Oh, what? Because the only way to get rid of your bounty in certain areas is if you have done the Thieves' Guild questline to a point where you can get a presence in that city. And if you haven't done that beforehand, doing the quest in that city is almost impossible. It, it puts you on the kill-on-site list. Yep. And the only way to fix it is with the Thieves' Guild bounty thing, which I don't know if your works is guaranteed every time. So I, I think I do save scum a lot more in games with set characters where there's branching storylines and things, because I'm you don't less willing to deal with the consequences of my actions if I'm playing as someone else and not a perverted version of myself. Well, because I'm of the opinion that I think a lot of video game players tend to equate a good outcome with the best story, right? Which is mm-hmm. not necessarily the case. I, I think if you open yourself up to the idea that maybe a like bad ending or a bad story happens it'll be more interesting but i also think when you do that in a game like something like skyrim if you had a fail state (laughs) yeah to the main quest that would be intense there are are a bunch of really cool quote-unquote bad endings for things like if you're if you're really into the lore of dark souls i i enjoy the quote-unquote bad for that one yeah but it's i i also most of the time you know the the world is a dark place, and I play games for escapism. And I, I, like, what's some? Um, I, I think what, where uh, you're, what happens when you play like that is, is you run into this thing where if a game has a better option and you didn't get that better option if you were trying to get it, it now feels yeah. like you've personally failed, which is a bad feeling, yeah. right? Like that Especially is not you what you like. Yeah. So I, I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Um, and it's an interesting thing to play with, but I, I do think if more games went for the kind of the Dark Soulsy route of okay, there's no good options here, right? Like nothing you do is going to fix the problems. They, I, I I was looking up some things because I recently experienced the trying to do the good thing and failed. Um, of I uh, I'm I guess I should say spoiler alert. Um, trying to not kill Solaire. Of. Uh, yeah, trying to. Oh yeah, it. every Dark Souls but game. He, he, does that. And the the creator doesn't specify it in terms of good or bad. He says the typical ending is that you kill. Because yeah. you you kind of got it. The story to progress. I, I thought it was a really interesting. Um, oh my god, what's the word? Um, specification the the typical and atypical as opposed to you know good bad endings. Yeah, Dark Souls Three mm-hmm. does some really fun stuff with that. Like certain characters will, because every Dark Souls game, if people haven't played them, has like most of the storytelling is in the NPCs around you, mm-hmm. and you can kind of cre- have their quest lines evolve to a point where there's a, a couple of different outcomes for each one, and sometimes they're really sad, sometimes they're like heartwarming. There's a lot of different most variations. Of the time most Onion of the time, his daughter, they're Slayer. bittersweet or sad. <laughs> And all the time they're your fault. <laughs> Every, yeah, all the time you're, they're your fault. But the, the fun ones were like there's a character in Dark Souls 3 who doesn't like you originally and then by the end of it is like accepting of the fact that they're, they're going to die because you did something bad or maybe mm. good depending on your perspective. And well, they're, gonna, they're fine with that. And I think it's very interesting 
storyline to tell like that. So it's the sort of thing where I just think you need to be willing to have your players feel complex emotions and maybe yeah. not give them all the answers at once, which, like, playing Project Wingman, not intending to spoil anything, but that game also has, like, side missions where you can't save everyone, right? You can't do everything perfectly, and it's like, well, oh no. I have to live with the consequences of my actions. Time for the bad feelings. Yeah. But it adds weight. It adds weight because you can then do you get the opportunity to do the classic like historical power up scene at the end where you're like, oh, I have to remember the weight of my actions. See, that's what gets me exactly. in Dynasty Warriors, right? So at the end of the campaign, you have your your final character going, I remember the weight of our actions, and you have the the historical route where they're like, well, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> I think that's a really funny, not funny, but like interesting way to end it. Where you're just like, well, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> we failed. Anti-cathartic catharsis. Well, you see, the the fun thing that Dynasty Warriors gets to do, at least in 8, which is like the best one, uh, they have hypothetical roots. Because the main game follows the, the like novel romance of the Three Kingdoms, which is based on very real events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the main route, you have you followed the characters to the end, right? Their end point. And then you have like a couple of different storylines where you see different perspectives, because by the at one point in the story, one faction is gone, so you have to play a different faction to see the end of it. Um, but then you have hypothetical roots, which are basically them going through and going, okay, what if at these key moments in history, these crazy plans actually like worked? And like they did unify China or something, right? And you get to see the kind of hypothetical of what these larger-than-life characters would kind of do in that situation. Are these hypothetical routes are they unlocked at the end like b and no so they are super cool Uh, the way you unlock these is you have stars on stages representing like various things that can happen which are hidden until you beat you can still trigger them but they are hidden until you beat the campaign for that faction once you beat the campaign they unhide all of them so you can see like okay if in this mission i defeat this character before he manages to like kill this other guy okay that saves someone that will then be able to show up in a later stage. So, like, it's kind of this cascading thing of, okay, you can kind of look through and figure out what happens. But you can also trigger them on your own accidentally if you do them early. Uh, I don't think you can actually start the hypothetical route until you finish the historical route once, but you get to see, like, special cutscenes and whatnot of characters that would die not dying, which is very interesting. It's a neat little way to do that storytelling. Yeah. All right, Brett, you've you've been very quiet this episode. I don't. I, I haven't played a Dynasty Warriors game, man. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Where I'm going with that is, we had a second half of this conversation to have. We did. We did. We were going to talk about lesser known protagonists, lesser known characters in games, or characters that are in games of not high repute. Or high knowledge. So we're not talking about your Geralt's. We're not talking about your V's. We're not talking about your Nathan Drake's. Or your Joel's. But everyone else basically is included in this. <laughs> By pretty much the, the standards that we were given. For those of you who don't know. Which is all of you. Is that pretty much anyone that was not those. <laughs> well, <laughs> that we it's because we constantly talk about. I think whenever we have this discussion. We, we root back to witcher uncharted and last of us 
Yeah. Great games. Let's talk about something else. <laughs> Which, if if I if I may begin, if if I might go have for that it, order, go for it. Um, is I I, I say that to uh to absolve myself of the sin of saying that uh, the Metal Gear <laughs> series is an unknown series. Uh, but just obviously before before everybody gets their pitchforks out, I know I I, I, I can see you. Um, that uh, oh, you've talked about Metal Gear before. We haven't talked about it specifically enough. And if we're going to talk about main characters... We've like never talked about any of the snakes. <laughs> exactly. We we, or Raiden. Raiden? Raiden? Or Raiden, yeah. Um, I specifically, because I, I think he's truly the best one, uh, Ryan, I know, will probably obviously back me up, uh, is Naked Snake. Um, or oh, yeah. it's not a spoiler, they literally say it on the back of the box, Big Boss. Um, I this This is one of those games that, to me makes me always prefer for those who who don't know naked snake is metal gear solid 3's protagonist yes yes um this this is one of those games that really makes me um prefer the decided pre-written pre-designed pre-acted and everything character versus uh the creative character one because you cannot have the story that happens in this game with the creative character it just simply it just simply would not work <laughs> to the degree that it does um and like that, with without going into uh more more so late game uh spoilers because even though this game has been out for a very long time at this point uh, a lot of people it's still an important because it. it's also it's a, a game that is not readily available on modern consoles not anymore <laughs> it used to be but it hasn't been good for old a few konami months. yep that's a strike two for them in one episode. That's a that's a record. Oh, that's rough. Um, oh no. Um, just the the they say in the Snake Eater song that this trial is an ordeal to survive, and it really is because my God, the amount of times that this man gets thrown off a cliff or like beaten to near death or like shot and probably should have been killed is poisoned. Like, yeah, poisoned. Other things. It's it's. It's horrible, and they do a very good job of being like, you are not, no, nano machines. They, they, they ain't really, this is the 60s, you're just a guy. You're just an American dude who did the first, uh, the first Halo jump. Uh, you're a dude you're, who's, you're, like, like, pretty like, tough, but that's it. Yeah, you're tough, and, and your, your battle mom was cool, but I, you're, you're just a guy. Um, and, you know, they, they, they give you a very, you know, not, like, super gruesome uh, detail, but gruesome enough detail where, like, you, oh, I just came out of that battle. In any other game, oh, I, I'll just wait for my for my health to come back, or I'll just wait for my shield to regen, or I'll use the health pack. No, mm. you gotta you gotta go in and look at your X ray and make sure. Oh, what is that? Is that a bullet in my in my torso? Well, I gotta pull that out, and then I gotta I gotta disinfect the wound, and then I gotta, oh. I, gotta I gotta suture it, and then I gotta I gotta bandage it up. Or like, oh, is that a, is that a broken rib or a broken arm? I gotta, I gotta make sure I patch it up correctly. And it's, it's super simple. That's not a very challenging system, but I think what that does retroactively for Snake's character in this game, what all the other survival mechanics do, is that it's not like sure the survival mechanics aren't difficult, like I just said. They're not but frustrating, he still has to, which is the key. They're component. not frustrating. They're, they're very gamified, and they're fun enough where you don't feel mad doing them. It just kind of has that thought in the back of your head, like. I, there's there's no freaking way I'd be able to do this. This guy is insane. 
like you think about whether whether you're being like truly stealthy or not like there are just certain segments towards the end where you you are required to to get caught and the 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 punishment because it's a kojima game they're already there there always is one of uh of being being more lethal and chaotic or being more stealthy and and putting enemies to sleep or just going past them after after that point kojima just goes eh, rail shooter and oh. you're yeah you're gonna get injured because there's nothing you could do about it <laughs> um and it, so that, that there's there's enough uh, more than enough canon like injury and survival stuff if you do manage to just go through the majority of the game uh, without having to deal with it that you could still be like snake oh my god and again without uh, gotta build a legend specific, you hmm. you gotta build a legend uh, without uh, picking out specific story things. Um, just just a blanket statement. The amount of like horrible, horrible trauma that this man goes through by the end, after after all is said and done and the credits are rolling and you've watched the end cutscene, it's like, wow. I can't even blame him for becoming the bad guy in the first game. I can't, because honestly, it would probably oh. make me feel that bad too. Well, because the key thing too is in the first game, which is on the NES. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> this is a game that is older than most modern storytelling, even like predating the classic FF games, right? Yeah. It is the kind of thing where that game already has pretty advanced storytelling for its time and builds to the fact that maybe he's not like a villain villain. He's just a guy on the other side of this fight, right? Yeah. Which is a, a thing you can't do without establishing these characters. Yeah. For the first stealth pixel game. Because, Brad, I've also been playing some Peace Walker. Yes. Man, yes. I love me some Peace Walker. Because that game has great gameplay. But I it reminded me of Metal Gear Solid Five, which I think does a very good... Say whatever you want about the story. But uh, it has a fun little line between... Um, like a character creator and having a set character yes. to where you get to do uh, and I'm not even talking about the fact that there is like a character creator in the game for the multiplayer you can play missions as any of the captured soldiers you, you recover and, and like get from the other missions so you have like random generated characters that you can play as that's pretty cool which I think is super fun if you do want to like do a mission in a way that you would not do as uh, your, your big boss, right? You want to go on a mission guns blazing or something, you can take one of your characters that is not big boss to do that mission and do something interesting, which I think is a, a very cool yeah. system of, like, you have a, a degree of separation to where if you want to mix your gameplay style up, you don't have to just play the same character. Do you not have to worry about growing the horn? I don't do know. Because I... I to grow the horn, you have to do a lot of bad things. Like, to a level of, like, you can play the entire game lethally and not see the horn. Unless you make some really bad decision. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's also a way to get rid of it now, if you want to get oh. rid of it. So, you do still have to work for it, but uh, you have that, like, reflection on Snake's character and whatnot. I don't know if doing missions with your, your operatives incurs that. It might, but either way, I never saw it. Uh, you, despite going pretty lethal on some missions on my latest playthrough, because there are, there are points where I want to use the cool toys they give you in that game. Of course. Of I want to ride around on the roller skating mech and <laughs> <laughs> and blast some some people into oblivion. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it's very Metal Gear Solid is just a great franchise with how it handles characters for the most part. 
Yeah. Especially three. Um, Especially three. Three in particular, as well as the first game, I think, are legendary for a reason. All right. So, Alex, you got a game you want to talk about? Protagonist you want to talk about? Or do you need time to think? I have kind of three. Go for it. Kind of three game protagonists. Uh, Because the, the... the one man's name is in the title, but you do play as a bunch of different people. Um, the Professor Layton series. We're back, baby. Of course, of course. <laughs> I have never talked about Professor Layton as a character. If, <laughs> if I am not able to talk about Nathan Drake in Uncharted, I will talk about Professor Layton. <laughs> Gotta get the fall back. <laughs> Gotta find a way. Yep. Um, but. Yeah, he's very much described as in, in the promotional material and through the game as being this um, unwavering, perfect English gentleman who also happens to have the the strangest, both most square and round jaw at the same time. Um, the 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 character design in the Professor Layton games is. Oh, it's 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 so interesting and cartoony. Yeah. yeah, the God, there is there is one other uh, the, the character design things for later. Um, yeah, uh, the Professor Layton characters. You have the, all the different people you play as could be at any point. Um, Professor Layton, uh, the apprentice Luke, the kind of apprentice slash often stowaway. Uh, Flora, that's in the original trilogy. Um, you can play as uh, the assistant Emmy in the new trilogy, and in er, the, the second trilogy that got onto the 3DS. Um, and then the newest game, which took an in- interesting. Um, turn back as as far as things go uh professor layton's daughter which that's i i don't know what happened but everything that the games it's they 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 were talking about the issue where um you know they they sort of built up the the challenges and threat levels that professor layton was facing you know to to world-ending events in the last game. They're just like, all right, we're, we're going to dial it back to just small-town mystery things with his daughter so that we can build up to the things again. Um, but it, it also watered down character design and things like that. Everything seems very plain and, and, and boring, and the, the puzzles got easier and very samey, too. Um, Right, we were talking about characters. Um, yes. Oh boy. Um, it's it's very. I, I. They're not one note, especially in the original trilogy. Um, but the but the characters are definitely you know uh, fitting with their character design. It, it's very cartoony. It's like um, an extended version of the classic Sherlock Holmes archetypes and whatnot. Yeah. 
Yeah, you have. Yeah, Professor Layton is always calm, cool, and collected. He's like, every puzzle will have an answer. Now, Luke, listen here. Think, think it. You know. Um, and then saving Luke when he's in danger. He almost. He. I. I think he's yelled three times in all six games. Got to um, build up to those moments. He, he's calm to an absurd amount. Uh, absurd extent. Um, you know, Luke, the, the, the clumsy, self-proclaimed apprentice, um, somehow magically just has the ability to talk to animals in a game series where there's not really anything supernatural going on. He just, he can just it's, talk to animals. It's a useful skill, but <laughs> <What>, you can't. <laughs> um... It gives a lot of opportunities for character growth. You got to talk to that squirrel to figure out who did the puzzle. <laughs> it, it, I don't know very much about Professor Layton. I, I think um, there. Well, I was talking about the the cartooniness of their their characters, their caricatures. Really, there's not really character growth. I'd say in between games, um, you, you see Luke get older somewhat but it's you know still sort of the same personality if not a slight bit mellowed out um and there are there are layers added to to characterization with you know backstory that's slowly revealed for for luke and professor Layton uh during things but it's it's uh not really alluded to in any of the other games um uh you know he cry uh you, you see him cry for the first and only time um at the end of the third game because of spoiler so it's probably more things. it sounds like it's more akin to your classic like not uh not children's but early to late 90s anime and yeah, whatnot where you um, have the the static characters and the more interesting things are the events that they're put into it's there's technically a timeline but it is very monster of the week type of thing yeah, it has a, that kind of taking each challenge as its own thing feeling. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'd say it was well, with the original two Professor Layton series, they, they had their cartoony personalities and they were, you know, they managed to be I maybe not interesting to, to what people would say, but, you know, um, Charming or, or, or funny at times, kind of fitting into um, the, the like Pokemon appeal. Of, they might be relatively yeah. one note characters, but they're appealing to people that haven't played the game before, and especially like fans of lighthearted games. You know, yeah. And then with the unfortunately with the the newest game, the where he plays the daughter, it's every the the cartoonish aspects of everyone. I, I think this is, you know, just trying to get the um, more kids interested in the series, I guess, so they can play the other ones. Um, but the the cartoonish aspects of all the characters are cranked up to eleven, and everyone just has these thrill and annoying voice lines. It, it it's unfortunate, at least for they just kind of they went for a, an audience that maybe wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, originally. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. All right, anything else you want to say about Leighton? Or are you uh, wrapped not, up on your... Uh... I, 
I'm pretty much wrapped up. I had this character picked a while ago, and I did some research, and I lost the notes that I wanted to say, so I've been stumbling through it. Hopefully oh. I remembered what, um, what I wanted to talk about. But. All right. So, it, around the circles of this podcast, I am known for talking about two games above all others. Yakuza and Final Fantasy are, are my discussion topics yes. of choice. Now, Final Fantasy, I can't talk about the characters without spoiling the entire game. <laughs> and the new expansion Man. just came out. So not that you'll not be able to play it. That. Hey, if you're not in right now, you can't buy the game. So, hey, Eorzea is closed. Please get out. I'm going to go play <laughs> Final Fantasy, and you can't. So. Uh, same thing happened with Yakuza recently, because Yakuza 0 through 2 are no longer on Game Pass. Yeah. So you gotta go... Hey, if you haven't played Yakuza 0, you're seriously missing out and need to pick that up when it's on sale, because it's $20 normally. It goes on sale for 10 constantly. Um, amazing games in every way. I want to talk specifically not about the protagonist of the games, but about the side characters and how the growth of the protagonist over the games affects these side characters. Because I think Yakuza is one of the few franchises that has a like seven-game-long stretch of having the same protagonist, right? I, I cannot actively think of many franchises that do that, if any, aside from Yakuza. And like remain like good and consistent. Yeah, and, and are all like well-known for good writing. Especially because... Like, uh, it leads to a, a situation that has this, a level of continuity that is just not present anywhere else. And I want to talk about Haruka. So Haruka is a little girl. You find her in Yakuza 1, she's an orphan, she doesn't have parents. Uh, Kiryu, who's the protagonist, ends up taking her under his wing, and she is young. She's like a, not a toddler, but just above a toddler age, right? She's like five or six, able to talk, but not really take care of herself, right? Yeah. So you, you find this girl in Yakuza 1 and end up taking care of her for the next seven games, or six games at that point, because Zero already happened. Uh, which leads to this incredible amount of character growth between Haruka having to like reconcile the fact that her father figure is at various times a member of the Yakuza. Uh, it feels like it. And gets swept up into you know not such legal activities. And it leads to like the classic, not even the classic, but the, the type of situation where you have to watch this character actually deal with the fact that their father figure is in this weird position, but is also like so trusted that she would never question him or anything. Which leads to like that is the the catalyst for two of the games basically is Haruka making decisions based on her father and like what she's kind of adapted from that. And it leads to such an interesting progression of things in Yakuza 5 and 6 where you have to deal with, like, not the, the life choices that Kiryu made, but the life choices that Kiryu's decisions led to his daughter making. Ooh, which is, my. you can only do that in a game where you see her, like, every single game yeah. for, like, 10 years. Because imagining the timeline of someone playing these games as they released, because they tended to fall in line with when they're released aside from Yakuza 0... Every other game kind of takes place in the year that it was released in. So you literally would have grown up with this character 
right? That's Ooh, crazy. That's nice touch. So it, it is falling almost like this is why people watch wrestling, right? It, it's the real time progression of a character throughout yeah. these games. It's so interesting and playing through them and seeing this character grow over time. And you learn that like it makes it so much more powerful when you hit those end moments and have the credits when you're like, well, I did this. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is on me, good or bad, and I think that's such a, a cool ending. Um, Yakuza Six is like such a, a great story-wise game, even if it has other missteps. The story of that game is so interesting and is so unlike anything else that I've played in video games. And I, I can't talk about it without spoiling major things, so I'm not going to. But there are so many moments in that game that only work. It, it's it follows that like Endwalker is the same way for Final Fantasy. They only work because you've been playing these characters for so long and know them so well that you can like call out what's going to happen ahead of time when these characters are involved in a situation. And it's so rewarding to hit that point. And there's nothing else that offers it, right? Like you can't get that feeling anywhere else. Uh, so I got to give major credit to Yakuza for that. And especially when Yakuza 4 and 5 have 4 and 5 protagonists, respectively. <laughs> yeah, I remember you mentioning that a while ago. Which gets crazy because uh, 1 and 2, to my knowledge, didn't mention the side, the protagonists of 4 and 5 ahead of time when they first released the game. Because if I recall, there was something about like the game was originally planned to be a trilogy or something. So it wasn't going to be like a, a seven-game-long franchise. And then it was super su- successful. So it got a lot longer. Uh because they did the re-releases of 1 and 2, these characters now have more story going in where you know them ahead of time now. So when like you hear someone talk about Saijima playing Yakuza Kiwami 1 and 2, you're like, oh, this dude sounds like a badass, right? Like He sounds super cool. I wonder if we're going to see him later. And then you get to play as him, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, and it, it creates this crazy driving force for a game down the line where like they build of this character called Goro Majima in Yakuza 0, who was never playable in any, in any of the other games, but was a villain. Or not even a villain, but like an antagonist for a while, and then your, your bud for some stuff. But he's a character that's like off-the-wall crazy, right? And then Yakuza 0, he shows up in a, in a clean-cut suit with a ponytail, and you're like, what? Oh, <laughs> you get to see his origin story. And you get to see his origin story while you're also playing Kiryu's origin story. And it's such a, there's so many like moving parts here that lead to incredibly satisfying conclusions, which is so rare. It's so uncommon to get those kind of conclusions that really hit every note correctly. Yeah. And leave you feeling completely satisfied, which I think is so so rewarding and it's why I recommend people play the Yakuza games cuz if you play all of those through, you're going to get like an ending in Yakuza 6 that is so out of the space of what other games tend to be able to do because they just don't stick with characters this long, right? And, the, and there's benefits to that. Like, having different characters leads to some fun games. You know, classic Assassin's Creed. You had Ezio for three games, Altair for another. Mm-hmm. To see all these different uh, assassins go through their business, but sometimes sticking with that one character has a payoff. Yeah. It takes a lot of dedication, though, but again, if you can, if you can do it, and not have it turn into I'm like just thinking of other like lawn running things. I'm just the Dragon it's like Ball Metal Gear, mind. Dragon Ball. You got your Yakuza, and like all all of them are renowned, right? <laughs> for different things. For different things, but I think yeah. for for at least Metal Gear and Yakuza, you can say that a lot of that is the characters. 
Yeah. And it's a benefit of having that long running continuity that actually has impact on itself. You know what? You know what I think we've just done is talked ourselves into believing that when Final Fantasy tried Nova Crystallis and the crazy FF13 shared universe, it was probably a good idea. <laughs> it prob- That's the thing. Originally, it probably was a good idea, but the execution... So poor. There we go. <laughs> so poor. Maybe this is what they're doing with 7 now. See, this is why I'm excited for 7 Remake, because if, if they manage to pull off the Yakuza-style continuity with Final Fantasy VII, that's going to be legendary, right? Like, nothing is going to top that for a long that, time. That episodic mobile game that's going to have every game <laughs> in, in the Seven franchise ported to mobile devices is going to be the reason that I get a new phone. Look, I, I I'm just going to wait for... The, they have to put that on something that's not phones at some point, right? Oh, yeah, because they... Um, they did the same thing with uh, with fifteen that they have like a like a yeah the pocket edition, edition yeah yeah they, they, that's oh, yeah, on Xbox. they did do that they were all yeah, yeah it it's was, on the was switch it the whole game but they were just chibis it's it's the whole game but they cut out the open world <laughs> uh, it's just the story uh, missions which so probably a better game <laughs> <laughs> actually I, I don't know the open world was the only good part of that game. I've it's it no one no one seems to agree. It's either the open world is great and the normal game sucks or the open world. See, sucks the open world's great because you get to hang out with your buds and, and make s'mores on a fire on a fire, right? Like it, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a good game, but it's it's something that's unique. <laughs> Whereas the rest of the game just you know bash our heads into the latest villain that came out of nowhere. So mm. yeah, we're we're getting off topic here, but I think it's because we've run most of our discussion through. Pretty much, and I think we've landed at the uh, the answer that I think all of us expected to land at, which is a uh, well. There's no one right decision. No, yeah, got to be case I by think, case. Yeah, this is obviously there are ways to do it right and wrong for sure. I think this is this is one of those things where like if you if you mess it up, I think your game will probably suffer a lot for it, and it's it's I think compl- uh, complex enough of an issue where. Like people, your your average Joe might not even like notice. Like, oh, you gave you gave me uh, too little uh, uh, influence on the world with my uh, uh, pre-designed character. Therefore, I would have preferred. Uh, like, no, nobody thinks like that. <laughs> but it's it's a thing. Like, you'll you'll feel it. You know. Um, but this is also one of the th- like because we we've come obviously to this conclusion pretty much almost every time before where there's just not a single right answer and both sides are equally correct. But there are definitely wrong the world answers. Out like that. <laughs> yeah, there, there are wrong answers, yeah. There are more wrong answers than there are right answers, usually, which is a sad reality. Mm-hmm. With that, we've come to shoutouts. Yes. We've hit the point in every episode where we, we end the show. It's, it's sad, but we'll be back next week. We Who's got a shoutout ready? I do. Um, a shout out to uh, the fact that I, I I've I've become a true uh, a true gamer. I finished my first Shin Megami Tensei game. Um, I am now uh, my I, I I've now become a real man. But you just gotta hit that persona. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I uh, Digital Devil Saga 
PS2, good game. It was, you know, obviously very hard, but it was, it made me want to play more of the series. They it have like, also that hard. they have like a sequel to that game. It's on the 3DS. That's really good. It's like digital, digital devil summoner that's, or something. You're, you're thinking of soul hackers. Don't worry. The names for those like, of you who don't very know, confusing. Soul hackers? by sequel, I don't yes. mean like actual sequel. I mean, sequel in the sense of like Shin Megami five is a sequel to Shin Megami four, even though they're completely unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> I I, that, I only I only say this because like Digital Devil Saga is one of the only ones that has a sequel. And Did I we dust? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's Digital Devil Saga and Digital Devil Saga Two because I finished the game Incredible. and it was like, do you want to save your data to put it into the next game where you will get this, Ooh. this, and this because of what you did? And then I go, okay, that sounds pretty <laughs> cool. Yeah, I hope I didn't screw anything up, but we'll find out. All right, look. I gotta give my shout out to uh, the wild world of weird indie JRPGs and tactics games oh boy. that I've gotten <laughs> swept up into because I sometimes you just want to take over the world, right? That's why I'm yes. playing Dynasty Warriors, and I've also started playing Brigandine that I talked about. Now I found Felseal Arbiter's Mark, which is this like indie Final Fantasy tactics inspired game. Uh, crazy cool. Weird decisions were made in the art direction of this game. None of them are like super bad, but they're all just it's like the character portraits are like semi-realistic portraits, but then the actual character visuals in the game are like almost chibi things. Mm. Not chibi <laughs> things, but have like goofy final, heads. This is the Final Fantasy V Steam port thing where there's eight art styles at once. It's, Why? It, it just looks weird because like the portraits look super out of place compared to everything else. Yeah, uh, but the game itself is very good. Uh, heavily recommend if you are into tactics games. It is filling that Final Fantasy Tactics shaped void in my soul. Oh. All right, Alex, what you got? Uh, shout out to Dairy Queen Blizzard ice cream cake. Pretty rad. <laughs> oh yeah. Sometimes the simple shout outs are the best ones. Yep. <laughs> With that, we have hit the end of our show. As always, Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the podcast platform of your choice, or YouTube or Twitch. There are it's on all those. We will see you next week. Live Sunday nights, Bye-bye. 8 p.m. Eastern. Thanks for watching with your ears. Or your eyes, you know, maybe you stare at the white screen for well, probably not good Trust for your eyes you. if you do that. Play Yakuza. Yeah.